This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery... Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. As we are based here in the UK, all times are in GMT. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 30th of January to the 5th of February. I'm Ezie Pearson, the magazine's features editor. And unfortunately this week, Paul Money, our reviews editor who normally joins me on the podcast, can't be with us this week. But I'm here to run you through all of the best things to see in the night sky this week, so hopefully you shouldn't miss out on anything. So this month, we're going to start off on the 30th of January, right in the morning. Throughout the night, the moon is going to be about five degrees away from the Pleiades. The moon's going to be a waxing gibbous moon. So it's going to be about 64% lit. Um, And the Pleiades is always a, a beautiful thing to see. And the two together do make for a really brilliant sight in the night sky. And five degrees is nice enough to get them both in a good shot if you're looking for some astrophotography inspiration. The moon's going to be setting about three o'clock in the morning, so you'll probably be able to get it throughout the night before that, but that is the latest time that you're really going to be able to see it. But if you're up and about in the early mornings of the 30th of January, you might also want to keep an eye out for Mercury, which is going to be reaching its greatest western elongation from the sun in the morning. So that means the point at which it has its largest angular separation from the sun, about 25 degrees on the sky. And what that means is it's away from the sun, so it should hopefully be up for a little bit longer, um, should be very distinct and clear to see. But you obviously want to be careful. You want to make sure that you're only observing it long before the sun is going to rise. Always make sure if you are observing the inner planets, Mercury or Venus, that you make a note of the time that sun sets or particularly sunrises if you're watching it early in the morning and give yourselves a good 20 minutes leeway to make sure you don't accidentally 
end up looking at the sun and hurting your eyes. We don't want that anybody to get hurt whilst looking at these beautiful planets. But I did say it's going to be at greatest western elongation. Um, and this is basically the point at which Mercury appears furthest away from the sun in the night sky. Some people think that maybe this is happening at the time when Mercury, Earth and the Sun sort of form a, a right angle triangle, um, but it's not actually the case. It's when Mercury is a bit further round. So if you imagine the the Sun is the centre of a clock, Earth is going to be at about six o'clock and then Mercury is at about four o'clock. That's where, where we're going to be in our orbits and that's when you see this greatest western elongation on the night sky. And then it happens again in a couple of months time on the other side, which is the greatest eastern elongation and that's what happens in the evening sky. So lots of things to see in the morning of 30th of January for all of our early birds. Then going forward on to the next night on the 31st of January, we've got bright Mars is going to be up in the night sky. It's going to be magnitude about minus 0.3. So that's going to be one of the brighter things in the night sky. You're definitely not going to miss it. And it's going to be up about one degree from the moon um, again at about 4.15 in the morning. So another early one for you. But if you want to see Mars next to the bright moon on 31st of January is the date for you. Skipping forward a couple of days, we go to the 5th of February, and this is when we're going to have a full moon. And this full moon is actually going to be a little bit special. It's going to be what's called a micro moon. So some of you might be familiar with the term supermoon. This is the opposite of that. So supermoons happen because the moon's orbit around Earth isn't perfectly circular. It's, it's slightly elliptical, slightly egg-shaped. And what that means is that sometimes when the moon's full, when, you know, the Earth, Sun and Moon are all in a line to make it full, it's slightly closer in its orbit. And that's when we see it as a supermoon and it appears slightly bigger and brighter in the night sky. But a micromoon is the opposite of that. It's when it's slightly further away in its orbit and that means it's slightly dimmer and smaller in the night sky. But just because it's smaller doesn't mean it's not any less beautiful to look at. You really wouldn't be able to notice the difference unless you're sitting there and, and taking pictures and comparing them. And in fact, if you are one of those people who likes to get out and take pictures every supermoon, why not get one this micromoon, compare the size and see how much of a difference it does actually make. But there's lots of things that you can do on a night when there's a full moon. It's always beautiful to, to watch it rise up over the horizon. That one probably requires a bit of planning. You need to make sure that you know when the moon is going to rise exactly in your location because it does change depending on where you are in the UK, sometimes by as much as about half an hour. So make sure that you've got that down and try and find a nice horizon, maybe one filled with some winter trees. There's some absolutely brilliant photographs out there. So again, if you want to try some astrophotography, it's great. But it's also a really great thing to just, just go out and see. If you've got some kids with you that you want to take out, it's, it's a nice thing that any Anybody can sort of get to grips with is watching the moon rise. If you're looking for something a bit more challenging, you might want to try and see if you can see the ray ejector. So this is going to require a telescope to be able to see. But the moon is covered in craters. And because the moon doesn't have any atmosphere and it doesn't have, it has quite low gravity, it means that when a meteor slams into it and, and kicks up this cloud of dust and debris. That dust and debris can really travel. It can go hundreds and hundreds of kilometres and create absolutely massive tracks across the surface. And we can still see some of those today. Uh, there's particularly good ray ejector systems around the craters of Copernicus and Tycho. So try and see if you can see those on the surface of the moon. It's another great opportunity for that. And also, we've talked a bit about astrophotography here today. The moon is not best loved by most deep sky 
uh, astronomers and astrophotographers because it's bright and it tends to wash out the dimmer lights of these beautiful things. It also, it's up all night, which most of the time there's at least a couple of hours somewhere where the moon won't have risen or is set already. But on a full moon, it's up all night. But with the, it being the micro moon, um, if you are going to try and challenge yourself to get some astrophotography done, now's the perfect chance. And we actually have a whole guide about how to do astrophotography whilst there's a full moon up in the sky over on our website, www.skyatnightmagazine.com, which take a look there. Maybe you can find something if you fancy giving yourself a little bit of an unusual challenge. And also, if you are out on the 5th of February, you might want to take a look out for Mars and Telfatori, otherwise known as Aldebaran, which are going to be in conjunction on that night. And what that means is that they are going to have the same right ascension. Normally, when we talk about conjunctions, they tend to be pretty close when they've also got the same right ascension. But this time, they are actually going to be quite far apart. They're going to be 8.2 degrees apart. But still close enough that it is still a conjunction. It is still worth a look at. Now, while all of this is going on, there will be another visitor to our night skies. Um, A visitor that many of you have probably been tracking over the last couple of weeks. And that is Comet C2022E3ZTF, better known as Comet E3. And it's actually going to be reaching uh, probably its brightest this week, at least that's when it's estimated to. Um, And it's going to start off about plus 4.8 at the start of the week, which means it could be naked eye visible around about then. Whether it will, it will need a very dark sky sight um, and, and some pretty good eyesight and a bit of luck. And also comets are notoriously unreliable and unpredictable. So it could be that it could be much brighter. It could end up being much weaker. So we'll just have to see how it is at the time. But on the 1st of February, it's going to be entering into the constellation of, and I always have to be careful about pronouncing this one, Camelleopardalis, which means the giraffe. Uh, Literally, it means the camel leopard, which that's the Latin word for giraffe, in case you didn't know. And Camelleopardalis is not a particularly well-known constellation because it's not a very bright constellation. It's not one of the easiest ones to find, particularly under slightly light-polluted skies, um, which most of us now have to deal with. But this might be a chance to, to take a look at this unloved constellation out there in the night sky. And at midnight on the 1st of February, the comet is going to be about two degrees south of the top star of the giraffe's head, which is HIP 33694. Snappy title, as these stars always have. And that star is actually going to be a magnitude plus 4.6 mag. So it's going to be a fairly dim star. It's about the same brightness as the comet itself. So I think those two be quite interesting to sort of compare and contrast between what a bright comet looks like and what a star looks like when they're about the same brightness. So perhaps that's a good one to take a look at on the 1st of February. Then moving forward onto the next night, on the 2nd of February, the comet's going to be moving about five degrees southeast of Colander 464, uh, which is a magnitude plus 4.2 open cluster, again in Camelleopardalis. So about the same brightness as as the comet itself. So a nice one to compare to. But that one, rather than a point source, um, so that's what we call stars, they're point sources because they look like a point of light on the night sky. Whereas things like comets and nebulae, in this case an open cluster, they're a bit more diffuse. There's a bit more, more things happening in it. So interesting time to compare and contrast. 
And finally, on the night of the 5th of 6th of February, the comet is going to start passing into Origa, the charioteer. So the next constellation over. And it's also going to start fading away uh, as it travels away from the sun and away from Earth and it begins to dim in our night skies. But on the, the night of the 5th to the 6th, it'll be positioned about one degree to the northwest of Capilla, or Alpha Aurigae. So that'll be another one as, as it's starting to fade away. Just because it's not at its best anymore, that doesn't mean you, you don't want to keep an eye on it. Um, as I said, we never know what's going to happen with comets. They're very unpredictable. So it's always worthwhile trying to keep track of it as it's fading away from view. So that's it from us this week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast and managed to, to find some things to look at in the night sky this month. Um, if you want to be here again next week, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any more episodes. And if you really like the show, why not leave us a review? It really does help us to reach more people so that they can enjoy the wonders of the night sky. But to give a quick summary of what's going on in the night sky this week, on the 30th of January in the morning, we have the moon next to the Pleiades as well as Mercury reaching its point of greatest western elongation. Then on the 31st of January, we have bright Mars and the Moon. On the 1st of February, Comet E3 is going to enter Camel Leopardalis, uh, travelling through the dim constellation. On the, about the 5th or the 6th is when it's going to journey into Origa and begin its slow fade away as it moves away from us. And finally, also on the 5th, we're going to have the full moon, which is also going to be a micro moon, as well as Mars and Aldebaran in conjunction. So lots to see in the night sky, and I hope you manage to get out there and see some excellent observations. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify.